Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. Praise the Lord. It's very, there's not much, there's not really a monitor. I don't know what's going on here. Sounds real muddy. Okay, that's better right there. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? That's good. When you pray, pray for my wife's family. My sister-in-law. Back this morning, about 10 o'clock, they said she she might have an hour or two to live. And she's held on as far as we know. Anyway, pray for her. Sister Savon. She's there with her, my wife, and of course all her family. God's good, amen. I'm thankful we've been praying for Sister Lucas, and uh, she's supposed to go home today. She was, she had COVID and I was in touch with Brother Lucas pretty much every day and have been since they got COVID. If, you're not, if you don't know who Brother Lucas is, he passed from Lake Havasu, very good friend. He's preached here before. And he came out of it, the daughters came out of COVID pretty good, but she actually crashed down in the 70s and they ended up flying her to Phoenix and I, I can understand the fear that is and the concern he said I didn't know when they put her on the helicopter if I'd see her again and uh, but she's coming home tomorrow she's doing good God is good you know? praise the Lord we've had a lot of things that have happened lately pray for this Salcedo family, they lost the patriarch of the family. Elder Jesse Salcedo, pray for the Dean family. Sister Dean passed. These funerals are this weekend. Pray for us. We're going to be doing a lot of traveling around for funerals. And I know we're going to be to those funerals and probably going to California before too long, too. So just, I am, I'm tired people dying. Had so many friends and family and loved ones that had passed on last year and a half. But in spite of all of that, God is faithful. Yes, he is. God is good. Yes, he is. Praise the Lord. You can sit down with it, Joe. I'm, I'm just going to start reading some scripture. And uh, Revelations I tend to teach and what I'm reading, you don't have to stand. I'm just going to read, and, and you can sit down, brother, brother Nate, back there. He said, "Yeah, Amen." Seventh chapter. I usually read. I usually, when I'm teaching, I tend to teach where my Bible reading is, and I've been. I have about five chapters from being finished with the Bible this year, and 
uh, I actually read the New Testament before that. I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you, I'm enjoying myself in the Scripture. Amen. Amen. I read the New Testament right at the beginning of the year, and then I've read since about February, I've read the Bible. And I've, I've got five chapters. I think I'm in the 17th chapter of Revelation, but I've been studying as I go through the book of Revelation. If there's ever a time that we ought to be paying attention to the book of Revelation, it's right now. Now, I know that there's a Bible study going on. It's a, a Thursday night. Yes, sir. And are you still in Revelation? Yes, sir. You might be in Revelation for a while, huh? We're working through it. <laughs> We're working through it. Brother, at, at, uh, at, it's a, it's a, a small group at Brother uh, Nate's home, and they've been having teaching on Revelations every, uh, every, uh, every week. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit about Revelations, probably, probably correct some of the mistakes he's been <laughs> You know, they say some people like a goose, they wake up in a new world every day. It's about the way I am with the book of Revelation. Every time I read it, I'm like, what is going on here? So you really got to get down and say Revelation is the seventh chapter, though. I'm just going to work my way through this chapter and explain some things. I just, and again, I'm not starting at the beginning, and, and uh, I just want to talk about this because this talks about the people of God. Yes, it does. Right here, Revelation, the seventh chapter. And after these things, I saw the four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth nor on the sea on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the East having the seal of the living God. And he cried to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Now, I believe that this entire chapter is showing us a picture of God's people. And, uh, and there are some classifications of God's people here. And we're going to talk about them. And I'm hoping that I can uh, disabuse some people of some misrepresentations and mistakes as far as some of these things. Right. And uh, at the same time, understanding that I have not got it all figured out by any stretch of imagination. And next week on the book of Revelation, I may change my mind <laughs> because it's just... There, it, the Bible says that now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. What it means, what that means, I've said it many times, is that there are things in the Word, in our life, and, 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 and in the church, and in the world that we don't understand right now. Because it's looking, it's like looking through a dirty glass, looking through a window that is dirty. Right now, like looking through our car windows because we've hit so many bugs. <laughs> but we're looking through a dirty window and we're squinting and we're trying to see who is on the other side of the window and what is going on on the other side of the window. See, now we see through a glass darkly. It's, 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 it's dark over there. It is, it is, it is, it's, 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 the, the window is not clear. It's opaque, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. But it says, now we see through the glass darkly, but then face to face. In other words, 
We're going to step around. We're going to step through the door. The Bible says there's a door open in heaven, by the way. We're going to step through the door, and we will be face-to-face and understand. There's an old song we say, we'll understand it better by and by. So there's a lot of things. I'm just going to tell you all something about the book of Revelation. If you all think you've got to figure it out, you can tell me about that if you want. And you probably don't have it all figured out. There's some things I think that are relatively clear. And there's some things that uh, we're going to be discussing and, and debating until the Lord comes. And then, and then we're all going to stand around the throne. And we'll talk a little bit about the throne room here in a minute. We're all going to stand around the throne maybe and say, hmm, so that's the way it was. <laughs> Amen. And so... I saw, he said, I saw the four angels. And, uh, and I do want to say this, that I, I, if you look at the book of Revelation, I do not believe it is written in chronological order. I don't believe it's written in chronological order. It moves here, it moves there, and you'll see it's going through um, the, uh, the seals and, and into the trumpets. And all of a sudden it gets to the end of those and it begins to give a long dissertation on Babylon and on the beast and on all kinds of different things right. before you get to the wrath of God and so on. And so, you know that these things are not in a chronological order, uh, but uh, it, is, it is something to, uh, for us to consider. And so, but in this case, we see the Bible said that there are, the four angels spoke to the four winds and, uh, and uh, or to the four angels, four angels that were holding the four winds. And they said, the winds should not blow on the earth and on the trees and on the sea. There are a lot of people that believe, and again, I'm going to quote what some scholars say. A lot of people that believe those four angels that held those winds were representative of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And that they would not be released until, I don't know, it's a good question. But it says this, it says, turn not. The earth, neither the sea nor the trees, until we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. And so then we begin to see some things here. It says, till we've sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. In the ninth chapter of Ezekiel, there is a similar but not exact uh, uh, kind of a, a, a shadow of this. In the ninth chapter, the Bible speaks, God takes Ezekiel and he places him and he looks in the temple and he sees the horrible, vile violations that are being done in the temple. They're worshiping all kinds of gods in all kinds of different places. And, and then God says, here's what's going to happen. And Ezekiel sees men with, the Bible calls them slaughter weapons in their hands. Something, I don't know if it was swords or axes or whatever there was. And there were these men, and then there was one with a, a pen and an inkwell in his hand. And before he went through the city and, and began the judgment at the house of God and brought destruction and judgment on the city, the scripture tells us that he went through and put a mark on all of those that sighed and cried for the sin of Jerusalem. And what it was saying was that there are some people that are in Jerusalem that still believe in truth. In fact, the very, the very mark is tab or tau, which is an interesting mark because it looks like a cross and it means truth and only truth. Right, come on now. That's the mark. That, that uh, if you look at it in the Hebrew, it's tau or tau. It's pronounced both ways. 
And so uh, it was put on that set of mark upon the foreheads of the men of Zion for the, all of the abominations that are done in the midst thereof. But when we look at this situation and what we're talking about, if you are not familiar with it, we're talking about the 144,000 that people talk about at various times. They talk about, they'll say, well, the 144,000 this and the 144,000 that. And I'm going to show you who the 144,000 are, okay? I'm going to show you. Because the Bible's pretty clear about who the 144,000 are. Amen. And so, but the Bible says that there's going to be, they're going to be sealed with a mark in their forehead. And and in the, uh, I'm trying to think of where it is. It's a little further down, 14th chapter um, of, of Revelation. It says that they will have their father's name in their forehead. And so the, the 144,000 are going to have a mark. They're going to be sealed with a mark in their forehead. But that mark is the name of the father. That's interesting. Amen. The name of the Father with it. What is the name of the Father? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus said this in John 5 43. I come in my Father's name. And you receive me not. He come in my Father's name. Jesus' name meant Jehovah, or God, Lord, Adonai, or whatever. Lord, uh, Jehovah, who has become our salvation. And so he said, I come in my Father's name. The Bible says in Acts 4 and 12, there's none other name under heaven. That we can be saved by. Right. Amen. So they said their father's name is going to be in their forehead. We're talking about Jesus? Yes, because the 144,000 are Jews, and I'll show you that. The, the Jews said to Jesus, said, who are you? And he said, to, uh, and he said I am my father, I one. And then Philip, who was a Jew, said, show us the father. He said, haven't I seen them with you so long, Philip? Amen. That when you see me, you need to understand. When you see me, you see the father. Right. Jesus Christ is God the father manifested in flesh. Right. John 1, 13 says, uh, we beheld, talking about the word, which is God. We beheld his glory. He dwelt. The word was made flesh. God was made flesh and it dwelt um, and he dwelt among us. Amen. Uh, first Timothy tells us three says that God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. Colossians 2 tells us that, that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bottom. Amen. And so whenever he said, they're sealed with the mark of their father's name. It's the name of Jesus that is right. on them. On. Which is fascinating because these people are Jews. Right. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I am going to go into that a little bit more. And I'm going to give you some things of, that I think uh, that, that the 144,000 are. But this is what the Bible, who the Bible says the 144,000 are. And I'm going to move through that pretty quick. But Revelation 7, it begins on the fourth verse. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Okay? There's one group of people that say that 144,000 are the first 144,000 of their group that believe their God. Right. Not Jews, but them. Other people have other ideas about who the 144,000 are, but the scripture says 
They are 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. It doesn't say a spiritual Israel. Right. Come on now. It doesn't say a symbolic Israel. In fact, it goes through and it names each tribe. Right. That's right. It says there was a tribe of Judah, were still 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben, were still 12,000. Gad, self, 12,000. Asher, 12,000. Naphtali, 12,000. Manasseh, still 12,000. Simeon, 12,000. Levi, 12,000. Issachar, 12,000. Zebulon, 12,000. Joseph, 12,000. Benjamin was still 12,000. Anybody know who's missing? He, he's from Is. But he's, I believe he's in with Manasseh. And he, he may be Joseph. Amen. Because if you, uh, if you look at it, you have, uh, you have Manasseh, which was the son of Joseph. And you have Joseph, who was the father of Joseph and or Manasseh and Ephraim. Right. So that may be talking about Ephraim. So, right. but who else? Dan. Dan. Dan is missing. Why is Dan missing? We don't know. We'll move on. <laughs> I have. There's a lot of different things that Dan was involved in, <laughs> and uh, and it may be. But there is. I'm trying to think where it is. There is a. A, a redemption of Dan. Right. Dan, 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 Dan. Let's that right. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. What are some of the other descriptions that are concerning the 144,000? In the 14th chapter, um, it says, um, uh, in the first verse, it says, They looked at the little lamb, stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven. As the voice of many waters, as the voice of thunder, heard the voice of harpers harping their hearts. And they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. No man could learn this song but the 144,000, which were redeemed from the earth. They were people from the earth. They were not angels. They were people. What people? They were from the 12 tribes of, of Israel. We know that. Those which were not defiled with women, which are virgins. These should follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. They were redeemed among men, being the first fruits of the gods of the Lamb. Now, this scripture, the fourth verse of Revelation 14, brings some interesting things in that I think um, that I think that we will try to see if we can at least shed some light on. First of all, they're the children of Israel. There's no doubt about that. They're the children of Israel. Anybody tells you different? They're, they're going against the scripture. Right. Let me see this about all this kind of stuff. There are a lot of things in the scripture that 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 we can debate. You know, I can see. Well, I think this, and you think that. We'll talk about the beginning. And let me explain some things the Bible gives us a cursory examination of them, tells us a little bit about them, and doesn't go into a lot of detail. Because it's really not that important. Right. It's really not that important who the sons of God and the daughters of men in Genesis 6 were. It's not that important. I mean, it's the Word of God, yes, but it's just, it's part of the narrative of the Word of God. Right, right. Amen. Um, it's like if you're reading a book and they say, I walked in the store, bought a soda pump, went outside, drove down the road, and, uh, and then I got in a gunfight down the road. And we're like, what kind of soda pump do you buy? Right. <laughs> Sometimes that's the way we operate with the Bible. Amen. Because God's like, okay, I'm going to, we talk, we, here's something that's fascinating, okay? I mentioned this when I was teaching on the tabernacle. The tabernacle 
is so important. And we spend more time talking about the creation of the earth than we do the tabernacle. We do. Okay, did it take 6,000 years? Is it old earth? Is it new earth? Is there a gap theory? Uh, you know, where does there play a gap in the grace? On and on and on. We'll talk about this. Stuff. The Bible spends basically two chapters talking about the creation of the earth. Right. And then it's like, God is like, I did that. Let's move on. Really, that's about, okay, I created the earth. Y'all can talk about how I did it. I really don't care. I created the earth. There's more important things to deal with. Fifty chapters talk about the tabernacle. At some point, there's fifty chapters that talk about the tabernacle. And while we're talking, and, and the thing about the tabernacle, it is a shadow of Christ. Right. It's a shadow of salvation. It's a figure. It teaches us all this stuff. And I'm not going to go back and tap it out the boat. Well, we're talking about where the giants on the earth and all this kind of stuff. It's like, let's focus on what's really important. So here we find out that the, uh, that the, the, the 441,000, uh, uh, let me go back to what I was going to say. Some things we can talk about and debate a little bit, and it doesn't make any difference. But then there's some things in the scripture just as clear as can be. Right. Amen. We know that Jesus came to save us from our sins. We know his blood covered us, and etc., etc. We know that the, you know the, the Acts two thirty eight is the is the plan of salvation, and so on and so forth. And so, um, I mean, this is the scripture. So this is pretty clear. They're the children of Israel. They're not defiled. Now, this is an interesting deal here. Uh, does this mean? And it says that they are virgin. Does it mean that they are celibate? Um, maybe, but I because of what I think that they are, I don't think so. I believe this means that they were chaste, pure, and not defiled by illicit sexual sin. The scripture says this, which is interesting. We look at, uh, we, we say, well, if they, if they were married, they had relationships, so they were defiled. The Bible says in Hebrews 34, marriage is honorable and all, and the bad undefiled. What that means is that if you're married and you're in a correct relationship, your relationships, I'm not going to go into detail, there's kids here. Your relationships with your wife and your husband is not defiled. There's nothing wrong with it. It is natural in God's order. Amen. And we won't even go into a lot of that stuff there, but I'm just saying that. So what does it mean? Were they, I, I believe it probably means that they were pure in the eyes of God. They may have been married. They may have been unmarried and so on. It says they're virgins. Um, I think the word there, which is used, is a, a, a male concept. It's usually a female, female concept in the Bible. But in this case, I think it probably means that, again, they were undefiled. They were virgin from sin and so on. But it may not. It may not. It doesn't, it doesn't really, really matter that much. Except for one thing. And then the Bible says they were faithful. They're unfailingly loyal. They follow the Lamb wherever. And then this is one reason why I kind of think that these were a variety of people, married, unmarried, old, young, and so on. The Bible says they're redeemed from men. And then it says they're the first fruits. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole long time because I really want to get into the next part of the chapter here. We know this. We know they were from, uh, they were from the children of Israel. They were from both sides. We know that they were... They were they were without sin. They're not, not, there's, no, there's nobody sinless except for Christ. But they were undefiled. 
by the things of the world. They, and what, what I believe that means is that they had been, that, that they had been uh, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. I believe that they've been washed. They've been cleansed. They may have been all kinds of other things. But now they're part. And they've not defiled themselves with the sin of the world. And so, and so, and then it says this, they're redeemed. They're redeemed. That means they're brought out. What does redeem mean? It means to be bought back. Right. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ bought them. Right. Such were some of you. Right. So they're redeemed. They've been saved. Amen. And they are the first fruits. This is my opinion. And you don't have to share this opinion. I don't really care. Um, but my opinion is that I believe the 144,000 are from the very beginning after the day of Pentecost. When the gospel was only being preached to the Jews. And they were the first fruits of the gospel. I may be wrong. Some people feel that the 144,000 are going to be the first of a great revival that's going to happen amongst the Jews and so on in the last days. And that could be true too. If it happens, glory. But I kind of feel that that's where that is coming from. Now, again, that doesn't really matter um, because we know who they are. Amen. And so then after this, and I'm going to kind of work through this. And I know that I've got to move along or, or I can spend a lot of time on this. After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number. And I feel very strongly this is talking about the church. Amen. Amen. The bride of Christ. Of all nations and kindreds um, and, and, this is, and peoples and tongues. Here is what we need to understand about the church. And I'm going to go through this. I'm going to work my way through. The church is made up of all kinds of people. God, the scripture tells us this. Then Peter opened his mouth, Acts 10 and 34, and said, of a truth, I perceive after he went to Cornelius' house and he realizes that God loves these people too. He said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Right. It does not matter. I am so sick and tired of the racism and the garbage that is going on and the battles between races and all this stuff that's going on. It doesn't matter if you're white or black or brown or if you're native or you're Asian. God does not care. That's right. I read a, a little thing before I came to church. Occasionally I get onto something. I'll just come across something. There's a town by the name of Cairo, Illinois. In in uh, it's in Illinois. It's right <laughs> at the confluence of the Ohio and the Mississippi River. And it uh, and it is it's in this perfect position. It's in a perfect position because of the trade that comes up and down the Ohio. I don't know if any of y'all ever been on the Ohio. It's a big, big river, big ships going up and down. I've crossed it several times. Anybody ever crossed the Mississippi River here? There's, there's a few of you have, and you know it's a huge river with big ships coming. Ohio comes into the Ohio comes into a beautiful area, beautiful country, at the confluence of these two rivers, Mississippi, and, and so you've got the massive amount of of trade that goes up and down the Mississippi and the Ohio River. Here's Cairo, Illinois. And when they started to build it, and then they had, there were train tracks coming in. 
I mean, there was the port of Cairo there. This town had all the makings of being a great city. At one time, people said, it's going to grow so big, it might end up being the capital of the United States. Civil War happened, and it was the headquarters of, of U.S. Grant. And, uh, and when, when the end of the war came, they moved a bunch of African-American people in there. Illinois is north of Mason-Dixon Line. But if you're up in the southern Illinois, it's right across the river from Kentucky. And, uh, and, and so those people in southern Illinois, their sympathies tended to be more with the south than with the north. And the racism in Cairo was so extreme that, that there, were, there were riots and lynchings and killings. I read through this thing. And I, as I was doing a little bit, I was kind of resting a little bit before I got up and got dressed. I ended up reading the whole thing. It was a long article. I'm reading it because this place, it was unbelievable. The, the, the bombings, and it went on into the 60s. The killings, it went on. The snipers, it went on. Black and white killing each other and fighting. And this city was such great possibility. Now it has a little over 2,000. There is this, there's this big... I saw a picture of these massive hotels and beautiful buildings. They burned down. You can drive down the main street of Cairo, Illinois, and it's and 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 it's falling apart. It's falling down. Most of it is abandoned. People don't want to live there. It said the city that racism killed. Wow. Hate. Because you're different. I am, I am bum-fuzzled by people that feel that way. Right. Hey, man, I talked to a guy yesterday. No, this morning. And we were talking, and, and some of you may, this may hit a little home, I don't know. Um, but we were talking, and he, he was, uh, most of you, a few of you, but most of you, were not alive during the, um, the strike of 1983. I, I don't know. There may be one or two that were here in 1983. If you're not familiar with it, some of you might be. In 1983, they had a strike of a emergency. About every three years or so, and I, I, I don't want to ramble, but I've got, I'm going somewhere. About every three years or so, the, the union would strike, and the union was very, very strong, at emergency, and it was self-stodged at the time. The union would strike, and then they would go for several months, and they would fight back and forth until they came to a understanding. I don't remember what all the thing was, and why it all happened here, but the union decided to strike, and the company decided they weren't going to, that they were gonna break the union. Uh, keep in mind, in, in some states, you can strike forever and ever and ever. California's one, but Arizona's the right to work state. And so, they began to they began to bring workers across the lines. Anybody know what they what the strikers call those workers? Scabs. Scabs. They call them scabs. And they begin and the and I remember because I was working at the Napa store or the Clifton Auto. And I, it may have been Napa. I can't remember. Clifton Auto during the strike. 
and, and after the strike. I remember the way it was. I remember driving to Clifton and watching them and, I, and, I, and coming through where the old Safeway, it's uh, Green's, uh, Green's Furniture now. And coming there was Safeway at the time and they, they would load the buses up of people from Sapper to go to Marincy to work. And there was thousands of strikers out there screaming. I mean, you think that Tifa BLM and the Proud Boys are bad. This is bad stuff. They were throwing stuff. They were fighting all that stuff. Thousands of them. And, and they would load the buses up from people from Safford and drive them up. And I remember driving and seeing the buses coming back during shift change. And there would be helicopters, police helicopters, doing this above the buses, looking for snipers because there had been threats of snipers. That's here. And, and, and so we had people in the church that were minor or strikers, people who, were, who had walk, come through the line, and we had people who were law enforcement. It was fun. <laughs> I'm telling you. There were people, there were brothers and family that had never spoken to each other since. My neighbor was a striker. Now, yeah, yeah, he was a union man. He told me this morning, he said, my best friend crossed the line. And when he crossed the line, I've never spoken to him again. Wow. He said he died the other day. Wow. And I never spoke to him one time. I said, what is wrong with you? And I, got, I, I found myself getting a little angry. I said, why? I said, I said there's bigger things than that. He said, I can't do it. He said, it's just not in me. I said, you need to get over yourself. Come on now. Tell him about it. He said, my wife, who died of cancer a few years ago, used to tell me the same thing. He said, I can't. He said, there were traitors. I can't forgive them. I said, Jesus forgave Peter. Come on now. Well, I'm not Jesus. I'm like, I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be people. We're going to stand. The Bible says, nations and kindred, those were ethnos and clans, right. tribes. There's going to be races here and different tribes of different races. Right. I mean, the Navajo and the Apache all have to get together. <laughs> Y'all going to have to get along with each other. <laughs> Amen. Some devils and wildcats going to have to get along. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all you're sweet, brother. <laughs> he said he likes both. Uh, <laughs> so, so, I mean, the thing is, is that it says, every peoples and tongues, amen, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes that meant robes of righteousness and palms in their hands, which are an emblem of victory. Amen. Amen. So what are we looking at here? We're looking at all kinds of people. There's black people. If you don't like black people, you ain't going to go to heaven. Come if you don't now. like white people, you're not going to go to heaven. Come on now. Amen. That's right. Amen. I read, I read something just recently. This guy is African-American man. He said, he said I'm, I'm really dreading going back to, 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 you know, for society to open up because I'm going to have to put up with white people. I don't know. I don't really blame you, but anyway. No, I'm just It might be with something else, man. What did you also? Amen. 
<laughs> That's just silly and it's sinful. Right. Hey Amen. There's going to be people in the church that, that they may that, that you don't really jihad with sometimes. You better not hate them. Better learn to love one another because we'll be standing shoulder to shoulder. Right. Amen. In a place yeah. there before the throne. Amen. We're going to have white robes on. We're going to have palms in our hands. They have victory. Amen. And look over and there's African American brother. Amen. Hey, brother. Amen. I love you because we've both been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Yeah, but you don't know what was done to them. You don't know what's been done. You don't know what's been done to the name of people yet. It doesn't matter anymore. God doesn't care about that. Oh, that's right. Preach. Man, it's good. When you're at the church, you just put all that junk behind yep. you. Uh-huh. If you can't do that, you don't have to make it to heaven. Because there's not going to be anybody standing before the throne eyeing each other's saying. I don't like those patches. Mm -hmm. It's true. Because the people that are like that aren't going to get there. Come on now. Yes, Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. Stood before the throne and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation's our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the land. God is the source of all salvation. And then it begins to talk about the throne. And I love this right here. You begin to look at the, the throne room. It says the angel stood about the throne. And about the elders and the four beasts. You begin to see the angels out here. And they begin to circle the four beasts that are there, which are which are six wings. It's, you right. can see that in, in Isaiah, the sixth chapter. Amen. The ones that go, holy, holy, holy. And the elders. Who are the elders? The Bible doesn't really clarify, but there's 24 of them. And there's 12 tribes of Israel and there's 12 apostles. And I suspect that they are a type of both the Old Testament and the New Testament saints of God. Amen. Amen. The Bible says around about the throne in the fourth chapter of Revelation were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. They had on their heads crowns of gold. When you take in the book of four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Having every one of them harps and golden vials. Full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Amen. And so we've got these 24 elders. And you've got the four beasts. And they're crying out saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And, and so John is standing there seeing all of this. Amen. And, the, and, and an elder looked at him and says, Who are these? That have the white robes on. Right. Kind of a leading question. Who are these? Hey, buddy, do you know who these people are? Right. And John's like, I ain't gonna guess. You ever been in that situation? Pastor says, Who's on on? You're thinking, I think I know, but I don't want to raise my hand. Yeah. Does anybody have the answer to this? What tribe is missing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I know. Zachariah. But uh, so, there's not trying to Zachariah. But anyway. That's why it's missing. What's that? I said that's why it's missing. That's why it's missing, exactly. And so, 
So he says, who are these? He says, sir, thou lovest. You know what? You know who they are. He says, these, and I love this, are they which came out of great tribulation. Now, let me say something about that right there. A lot of people, they kind of pick this up, and there's two things to look at this. I believe that that can refer to the great tribulation that we talk about, or just great tribulation. Some, some versions say great tribulation. Some they say the great tribulation. But I believe that this multitude without number, amen, is the church of the living God that has been raptured and is standing before the throne of God. And he says they come out of great tribulation. Say, we haven't seen tribulation. Just... Hang around a little while. Uh -huh. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This isn't, this isn't talking about the Old Testament saints. This is talking about the church of the living God right. that has been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. They've been born again of water and of spirit. Right. And they're standing before the throne of God and serving Him day and night in the temple. And the Bible says that he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore, neither shall the last sunlight of them know any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst, who's in the midst on, of the Jesus. throne, Jesus, shall feed them and shall lead them unto the living waters. Amen. Fountains of waters and shall wipe away all the tears.
God. We swept all that junk up yesterday, and I thought I think we got a hold of it. God is so good. Yes. Let us stand before the throne of grace, the throne of the Almighty. Yes. The Alpha and the Omega, the first of the which is was and is is to come. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. Jesus. Yes. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We're closing. But nowadays you find that people don't talk about heaven much. They talk about heaven on earth. They talk about heaven coming down to earth. They talk about all that kind of stuff. We sing that kind of stuff. It's all fine. Amen. But the Bible, But here's the thing. And I've, I've just been saying this lately. Paul made the statement. He said, if in this life only I have hope. And where we misquote it so many times. is we say, if in this life only I have hope, I would be of all men most miserable. That's not what Paul said. Paul said, if in this life only I have hope in Christ. Right, right. Amen. Right. A lot of people are putting all of their hope in sitting in the church and enjoying the presence of the Lord and all that kind of stuff. And that's good. But he said, if that's the only place I had hope, I would be of all men most miserable. Miserable because I've got a blessed hope. I'm going to heaven one day. And that's something we need to keep in mind. Let's raise our hands and love him one more time. Thank you, Jesus. I love 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 you, Jes